prop who I'm not going to name uh, a few years back who um, was dancing to a song in the gym and tried to do the splits and threw his groin out the coach went absolutely mad The Hard Yards passionate about sport It's gone to the short side Oh it's But I'm the referee on this field, not you. Hi Rob, Zeebs here. Just want to discuss the captaincy next. He's calling. Oh, and Ringrose comes through. Oh, that is brilliant from Ringrose. Ringrose is going here. What a score! This is The Hard Yards, I'm Andy McGeady. There's a great show lined up for you today. I have Kevin McLaughlin and Pat McCarry in studio, Ronan Agarra on the phone from Paris, and we also have an interview with Ty Byrne coming up later as well. Um, first, Rog, you were reading about uh, Kev's fine work, were you? I was, I was. I always like to read and friends and uh, fellows that have retired and um, see how they're, I suppose, transitioning. And, um, yeah, I read a great article on Kevin and, uh, and his company. It's obviously um, really interesting because I'm a, as a young coach and I think that's uh, hugely invaluable information and Kev's company seems to be nailing it so I need to talk to him more often obviously it seems <laughs> Kev this is where you get your plug right yeah so when when do I book my flight over to Paris Raj so you, I can come over <laughs> and you can open up the checkbook like. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't have access yes to the to the key checkbook right? <laughs> influence, but um, as you say that's that is a key question because there are a lot the checkbook, checkbooks over here that would, that it could be hugely interesting. Right. So the Kitman Labs diary is going to be opened, is it? Yeah, absolutely. We've made our first foray into France at this stage, so yeah. it's a very, very different market to what we're used to. And Ro- I think Roger and will test that. Who are you in with, Kev? So we worked with Grenoble, and uh, we're working with Bordeaux. Mads actually brought us over to Bordeaux. Did he? When he went over there. Uh, I think he thinks Kitman Labs is following because uh, went over to France. He suggested that they should get the system. Went over there, sold it to them. Um, then he went to Bristol and during that summer we'd actually sold to Bristol he arrived back to Bristol the system had been he, set up there he's not on commission like, what's going on yeah. Inside yeah. it's like Kitman's following him around but um, yeah like France is just but a very one, one of 70 teams isn't it so yeah yeah no, you know what I mean <laughs> it's, that's an impressive stat alone yeah we're in 25 leagues now five continents so it's uh, it's exciting but like France is a very interesting market for us because it's different I think Roger will attest that like politically the way things the way decisions are made over there just seems very different to any market we're used to so we're still trying to get our heads around that maybe Roger can help us out yeah yeah I know a big <laughs> thing I, the only good thing about being over here is I think there's no issue with finance or budgets yeah, that's true. Um, and there'd be no bouncing checks, which seems to happen a lot. Well, in in, in the course of Irish history, I think a lot of checks bounce. But <laughs> hopefully, from uh, if they commit to a deal, they're good for it. You know. So, in the Kitman Labs injury database, are there many lion bites? <laughs> uh, no, not to date. I don't think there will be any because Scott isn't on our system yet. But uh, yeah, any what? Lion bites. I didn't hear it. Oh right. Okay, this is good. Okay, so set the scene. So for anyone who for anyone who hasn't heard, um, Ospreys lost to the Cheetahs last week, but they were missing one of their players. Um, Oh yeah, got bold one. Lion bites. Lion bites. Yeah. Fit my line. Go out and see the video. It's amazing that it exists. Absolutely. I showed it to my kids, and even they were kind of going, "Why did he put his hand (laughs) in the mouth?" What, what, okay, what? A five-year-old said, which was great. Correct. Exactly. Yeah. So five-year-old says. That looks like a bad idea, Daddy. <laughs> yeah, but it's like, what is the strangest, the strangest excuse for missing a match? 
that you've heard of? I tell you, he was lucky. He came back with a with with, a, with his hand intact. No. He could have just seen a stump. I know. <laughs> it's one of those ones where it's it's just it's just bad enough to be really funny and not bad enough to be oh mm. god, this is actually tragic. Yeah. But but seriously, like this is this is the strangest one for a long time. I love the reaction of the uh, tour guide, though. He's calm as ever. Like he's, <laughs> like he's seen about 20 times before. Bring this fella to first aid. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> get, get him a little plaster. One of those little plasters with a heart on it and send him off home. Like, yeah, you know lollipops I mean? all around. Yeah. Yeah, like, <laughs> exactly. Maybe stick to taking photos, guys. Like, you know, yeah. You're like, holy shit, this guy's bleeding here in the background. It definitely took the heat off, um, off Leinster a bit for that visa snafu. You know, this is, this is much bigger headlines <laughs> than that. It's, but, you know... You hear stories about players, you know, just they're sitting down on their couch, their back goes. But any odd ones? Oh, God. Yeah, we um, a prop, a South African prop, who I'm not going to name, uh, a few years back, who um, was dancing to a song in the gym and tried to do the splits and <laughs> threw his groin out. And uh, the coach went absolutely mad. And, um, and then a second time, the same character had hurt his calf was back about six weeks later and went in to medicals to test his calf and did a calf raise body weight and got a grade two calf there doing that so <laughs> yeah he had a propensity <laughs> propensity to get low impact injuries like severe low impact injuries are just pretty so uh, that's good is that how it's in the database dancing is a low impact injury <laughs> doing the splits yeah, yeah. the uh, Raj any in your dressing rooms over the years I was trying to think. No, I was fascinated with another, I think, Islander who was who was a big fan of dog. That was something that stuck with me, I think. Another ex-colleague of, of Kev's, I think, in Leinster, they was a big fan of eating dogs and, I think, a lot of wild animals. That was one of the strangest things that stuck in my head. But, um, no, I don't, I don't recall, you know what I mean? I think indoor soccer, which everyone loves to play, I think that actually melts the coach's head when that happens, that there has been some bad injuries as a result of that. Um, but for, I think, mental sanity, it's a crucial uh, ingredient in professional rugby players' uh, weekly schedule. Yeah, it's a funny one, because even in, there's some American sports contracts and they have it written in, they're not allowed to play other sports, even, you know, recreation. Same in our contracts. Is it yeah. written in? I think so. Do not play. As far as I know, maybe recreational, but like I know that if you played five side and rolled your ankle and came in to tell the coach, you'd be. <laughs> well, my contract certainly would have been torn up. I don't think Rogers would have, but mine would have. Yeah. Um, so that was. Uh, Rogers, you've done that, but you've regularly played five aside football or something. Ah no, sorry, not. I, it was it was um, any, other, any other sports as a kind of a team warm up, you know, back. Oh all right, I'm with you. Yeah, yeah. Backs against but forwards. That seems control, a bit mean. You know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, right, okay. um, honestly if the lads put in as much effort into the five-a-side soccer or the ten-a-side soccer as they did into the game on the Saturday we'd win all around <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah you'd have to get Jerry Flannery on about that he unbelievably fancies himself as a, as a kind of a, <clears throat> a baller I'd say he fancies himself as being the best dressed one <laughs> Well, yeah, he fancies himself in a lot of areas. <laughs> <laughs> to the chase. We need to go look around with producer Alan here. We need to give him a writer reply someday, Mr. Flannery. Yeah, okay. most definitely. Yeah. Sure. Talking of successful businessmen in the category of Kevin, he's the chief shareholder in Joe.ie. So, Jerry <laughs> will have his right to reply from the management level. We'll see the helicopter landing in the air. Um, right, the weekend coming up 
Uh, Leinster Munster is obviously the big one. Um, Leo Cullen saying the season obviously starts here. Uh, that was an interesting comment for a number of reasons, but yeah, um, Munster coming in on a on a on a better in a better place mm. than the week before, Pat. Yeah, they're, they're they're looking good, and then it was great to see just they got all their lines back, and they've ran the hell out of them. I think uh, O'Mahony seventy five minutes, and the other two boys at eighty plus minutes. So um, they're definitely going to be starting them this week. So um, they're they're looking. They had that kind of breakdown against Glasgow, but it was they they came back, stead calm, and did a did a number in Cardiff. So they'll come in with a good, good decent amount of confidence. Whereas Leinster a little bit opposite like um, having, having failed in South Africa and then kind of struggled over the line against Edinburgh so um, uh, they'll, they'll, both sides will fancy their chances but Munster maybe shading it on form coming into this game mm. But it's, I suppose that the first question I'd ask is that is it right that when a couple of people in the environment and I include Leo Cullen and that are sort of saying yeah the first five rounds of the league didn't really matter you know, no, I know. That's not what he's saying he, he's saying like we're like we're clean sheet we're starting we're looking ahead we're not looking back yeah. you know like they've been I think he knows as much energy you need to lay a foundation and get as many wins as you can the first few games but actually this role into Europe now is all they can think about they can't spend too much time looking back and they've had a mixed start to the season hmm. and that's the message you'll be delivering to the players as well is forget about that we're looking forward now and you know we've built a base but like the game is changing now what we're playing this weekend what we're playing and the following two weeks is a massive step up so let's put put the last five weeks out of our head and move forward it is useful to have like such a big game as your entry point for that those two European weeks I think it's absolutely perfect and some people say is it the right thing you know but it's genuine you need a game like that and it's it's actually an advantage to the Irish teams the stronger the Irish teams are the better the stronger Leinster and Munster are like the, the more prepared they're going to be for the following week and hmm. um you know that the, the, the it, it definitely benefits Irish rugby having all the players on leash for games like this, not just in terms of the brand, but actually preparation for Europe. Yeah, um, Raj, is that something you know that, that that would come to mind when when you're looking at these European weeks? Because um, perhaps you don't have the same rivalry games in France as preparation. Um, no, I wouldn't look upon it like that at all. I think. Um what seems to be happening in the, I suppose the Pro 12 Pro 14 now in, in, in seasons gone by is that um, these teams aren't fully loaded you know what I mean I think they have already their teams for uh, the European Cup decided for rounds 1 and 2 and I think you can hear the comments of even as Erasmus saying he's not too sure what, how what he'll how he'll go this weekend because he's thinking already of the back end of ga- of the second game in Europe. So um, I think the fans need to see a full-on monster Leinster game. It hasn't happened at European level because the teams have been underperforming. I think in the last few years and uh, they were unbelievable games for players to play in, and and it nearly always happened as. Um, at a European level but the days of the teams being fully low that seems to be over and you just wonder why that is well half of them <laughs> half of them are in Christmas and they always they could play 212 sides and sell out the stadium so you can yeah, understand well, that one but like this weekend wouldn't yeah. it yeah see this, this is the different one and you do sense that there's a little bit of the edge gone from these games you know especially when it's in the Aviva the Aviva is an occasion you know it, it, I was thinking that today when I was looking forward to the I'm going to the game on a Saturday I was thinking about it I was like 
geez, it just doesn't feel the same. But then I was like, I'm not there anymore. So of course it doesn't feel the same. <laughs> if you turn up um, in your full kit and the fucking <laughs> with the scrum cap on, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, but it'll be interesting. Just I think the key to the fixture is when you see the teams on Friday afternoon. Mm. Yeah, yeah. You know, I just think that. Uh, and I can understand where they're coming from but if the ball teams go fully loaded it's a massive dent to one team's confidence before Europe because the European games are big games but from a player's point of view you've got to look after your bread and butter which is an Interpro and there isn't any bigger Interpro than Munster or Leinster because you know what I mean it's a shootout for an Irish spot and that's in players' minds there's no doubt about it because they're all competitors and they want that jersey and they also want to find form before Europe, but there's no point in <clears> saying, I'm going to kind of go, uh, this is a build-up for Europe. This is full on in the Aviv on Saturday. And, um, so it'll be interesting to see what, what, what uh, are they going to finish with their strongest teams or are they going to start with their strongest teams? What would you do? Um, what would I do? You know what, Andy? I haven't even thought about it because I'll never be in that position uh, for the foreseeable future. I think it is crucial how you manage the next three weeks. Mm. I think you have to focus on combinations uh, because even the best of players in Ireland, they need to um, get up to speed with who they're playing on relationships between the two second and a back row combination, the half-back combination, the back three. All good back threes need time together because of the pendulum effect and how they defend together, how they attack together, how they counter-attack together. And so there are so many different ways of, I suppose, um, selecting your team um, or impact or questions that can impact on, on your team. And I think the great thing about it at the minute is there's such strength and depth um, you know, you look at Monster's case, even in the number nine position, Conor Murray has come back now with, uh, I rate James Hart very highly, but he, he hasn't really got game time yet from Monster, and, and uh, the season is ticking on, and he needs to try and make an impact, and Duncan is going well there, there's three number tens from Monster, Um I think Leinster obviously are a different team when, when Johnny Sexton plays 10, if Johnny Sexton doesn't play 10, I think it gives a massive advantage to Munster. Um, there are all little subplots all over the place. The Leinster back row, what balance do you give it? Or who do you pick? Um, I think you know it's it's, it's um, it would be a very exciting uh, team meeting to be part of. Pat, that um, that Munster fly half debate was blown up in a big way last weekend. Mm. I mean, um, Blyndell has not had the greatest start to the season. Uh, Keithy looked fantastic. Um, and then JJ comes on scores a couple of tries yeah actually I forgot, I forgot about like yeah that JJ be in the mix there just because he came came well and you think he might play a bit of centre for a bit with, with Taude getting injured yeah. but um, yeah Keatley there's a lot of talk that maybe he should go in and he he had a brilliant game last week and, and ran the show pretty well against them and uh, just himself and Murray together both of them just such good passers like that they just bring such speed to the back line as well so um, it'd be interesting I, I imagine Blayendall's going to start that's just a, a hunch I'd have and um, but Keatley's right in the mix especially if it comes to Europe Like so even though Blayendall might get the shout this weekend that doesn't show you that Keatley's not going to start one of these European games and, and you can say he doesn't deserve it if he does get the start mm. and it's at least they have multiple players fighting for that slot whereas mm. when you go into the locks they're in trouble Yeah, yeah. I think yeah the, I'll just come in the, I think yeah. the great thing was um, the performance of JJ Hannon I think he's a guy who could has the capacity to excel at international level 
I think that's a, a probably a big statement, but I think his game would stand up at, at test level and could excel at test level. But what he doesn't need to to be doing is he's a great sub too because his capacity to cover 10, 12, 15. Um, but from his point of view, if, if he becomes a utility benchman, it's going to really hinder his chances to, to try and challenge um, for the number two spot in the in the Irish team. That's um, the um, that's the Ian Madigan effect, Kev. Yeah, no, it is. It's. Uh, I think like it was a great decision for him to come back to Ireland for JJ to come. Yeah, back. yeah. Um, and I think you know he plays one good game last week. If that had been playing for Northampton, I don't think anyone would have yeah, noticed. Yeah. You know, well that that's a really good point. Yeah, exactly. Because <coughs> if if he does do anything over there, it doesn't make a sound. And I'm sure he did. Here. And I'm sure people like Pat noticed. Yeah, but, like there there just it wasn't the same. Uh, hullabaloo about it and yeah. like I think um, yeah go ahead Roger also, also too I think to be fair I don't think any of those pictures he was presented with in the game against Cardiff would, would be presented at test level it was quite yeah, appalling yeah. defence in terms <laughs> of yeah, yeah. you know what I mean like let's be realistic he came on to a game when everyone kind of looked uh, a little bit uh, better than they actually did but I think the big thing that he has over maybe um <coughs> Um, Madigan perhaps is the fact that he can um, play a really structured game as well Mads is a brilliant instinctive player and I think he just plays off the cuff and then he he kind of worked with Joe and I think he bought into systems but he just I think he's more instinctive I think JJ kind of can um, I think he has more fundamentals of a number 10 so it'll be interesting to see how his uh, season develops mm. We have to need we need to build up a little picture of Roger's future Ireland fifteen, right? It's gonna have we now we have Ronan Mahoney. Ronan Mahoney, yeah. Yeah. So we, we just need to add <laughs> this up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was just gonna say There's that. a theme here. Chris no, Farrell. No, no, I tried Joey Carberry is gone. Joey's on the bench, He's is gone, he? Right? <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, it's all, it's all number ten. They're playing just in the whole back. Yeah. <laughs> Rory Scandal is playing. Um well, he was good last weekend he's strong and I think he has a passing game and I think people are beginning to see what uh, Chris Fire brings to the midfield um, you know I think uh, wh- where, how will how will Leinster go in midfield Kev who do you think they'll pick at, t- at 12 and 13 so they're, Robbie Henshaw's fit I believe yeah so it'll probably be Robbie and oh Lachlan or Issa's back now as well. Oh. Is, is he? No, so, so that's the funny thing. So he was. We, we were first told he was out for a couple of weeks, right? Yeah. Now my understanding is, if there was a if there was a final this weekend, mm. he'd be playing a final. Mm. But I think one. I think Robbie Henshaw will play twelve, and it makes sense to play O'Loughlin at thirteen, and maybe have Issa on the bench. And for that reason, I would imagine Reese will probably start as captain. Yeah. And then. Uh, Did you find it surprising last weekend that Ruddock was starting but not captain? Sorry, but not captain with Sexton taking the captaincy. Um, no, like it's. I think Reese, Johnny, Issa, like they're all leaders. Yeah. And Reese is so humble; he'd happily pass the, the baton, and that's that's the type of leader you want. Issa be the same. If yeah. if if Leo was turning around and say Johnny was taking the captaincy next week in Europe. And Issa was on the field, he'd be fine with it. <laughs> and I think that's almost Leo's measure of a captain is that they need to be humble and happy with that. So to be absolutely no issues there at all. Hmm. Um, but yeah, going back to Munster, I mean, going into a game like this and a few weeks like this with with a lot of a lot of power missing. I mean, you're looking at Copeland being converted into a um, second row. A second yeah. row. That's not a brilliant position to be in, Kev. No, and it's it's a long way from the. 
2005, 2006 maulings Leinster used to get from Munster packs. Like Copeland's in a slightly different mold to like Mick Galway and those yeah. kind of guys that used to come up to Lansdowne Road licking their lips, ready to kick the absolute shite out of us. Like, so, <laughs> um, it's definitely different, uh, but you know, Gallagher will be delighted playing him in 2006 he'll get another few nights out of that Kev <laughs> <laughs> yeah long old career ago yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm play at him. yeah. <laughs> but I know what you mean because like Copeland Copeland's a man uh, he's built for the open spaces he's an athlete you know he's not he's not the kind of you know he's not a Leo but Cohen I suppose they have an injury crisis there don't Correct. they Correct. exactly they they're, they're in know? trouble um, so yeah one of the long term solutions to that we'll have a word with later on yeah it's good signing yeah. um, but going back to the rivalry are, mm. is this missing a bit of an edge like never mind you know the European games European games if Leinster Munster face each other in Europe it's mm. always going to be front page back page stuff right yeah. um, I so I'm going to put it out there I think that the game should be moved away from the Aviva next time it's in Dublin get it into the RDS mm. 18,500 people who really really have to fight for a ticket Right, because you, you're in there, Kev. You'll see this. Mm. It's not the same. There's going to be probably ten thousand missing from the from the stands. They'll say yeah. it's sold forty four thousand. There won't be forty four thousand there, and um, there'll be a little less. And there's a lot of people there who aren't really watching the game. You know, they're there because yeah. it's a social occasion. It's the place to be. Sure, I'll float that with Mick Dawson next time. I say, yeah. <laughs> Dude, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Mick, I think Andy McGinley said up a lot we, of should, money. we should half our revenue from the game, and that's because it. it'll be better. For, yeah, listen, like I understand. I I agree. With, I remember a couple of pretty special games in the RDS, and it's always special when we when we go down to Tomlin Park to play there because it's you know it's the Munster home ground, and I think that does add to it. But it's never going to happen. It's not going to happen. Yeah, but um. Yeah, like it's interesting when you look back, like from a rivalry perspective, because when I look back to when I first came into Leinster setup around 2005, 2006, it actually wasn't a rivalry. It was Leinster versus Munster and Leinster going to lose every single time. Is that how you felt? Yeah, like we knew. Like it, it was really interesting. Leinster always had a good team. And at the time, around between 2005, 2008 kind of time, um, it w- the Ireland team was Leinster backs mm. and Munster forwards and halfbacks. Mm. That was that was the makeup, and um, the derby matches were a source of embarrassment for us because we used to go in with uh, a very very strong backline um, and a pack that got embarrassed every single time, and a pack that lost us the game, and this was made public. And I remember. An all-time low for us as a pack was that 2006 semi-final. Lansdowne Road, Roger, remember it. I think he mm. scored the last try of the game. 30 points to 6 to Munster. Um, after we'd beaten Toulouse, over in Toulouse, where mm. our backs had run riot. Remember Dennis Hickey scored yeah. that amazing try. And I actually just, I did a bit of digging around this morning. And um, the headline, The Guardian, the day after that game, Power and glory with O'Connell as Munster machine mows down Leinster forwards. Okay. That was the kind of stuff we had to eat. Mm. And it was only when Cheka came in and started plastering those types of articles around <laughs> the club that we began looking at ourselves going, Jesus Christ, lads, this has to this has to change, this has to end. Like um and that's when it became a rivalry. I genuinely don't believe it was a rivalry until that point. It was a big game because it was Munster versus Leinster and you know, you got big attendances, but like Munster were so dominant, we were embarrassed and it fucking hurt. <laughs> It hurt watching Munster being so good. It hurt watching Munster lift trophies because uh, we knew we could do it, but 
we just weren't because yeah. we were being embarrassed and genuinely because they were tougher. <laughs> That's all it was. And Raj, when you're in the other <coughs> in the other camp at that stage, is that how you guys perceived it? You're going to walk up to Dublin and go, yeah, this is fine. We're going to beat them. No, no, but like fair play to Kev for his honesty there. I think. Um, you know, I mean, now that he has said it, being a Leinster player and a really good Leinster player, um, I think it it creates an, an open, honest debate. I think for us, um, that was um, so, so important to us because the games are won up front and that's what our forwards did. Like, they just put such effort into the, into every performance that they made the halfbacks look really good. But I think um, it, the game, I think... Um, that probably we all loved was that semi-final in Lansdowne Road in 2006 because we were completely um, I suppose expecting to play Toulouse in the semi-final and not Leinster and that's a complete massive shift because you could probably do without the build-up um, of a Munster Leinster semi-final at home in Dublin as opposed to um, going to Toulouse you kind of would be thinking there would be less I suppose build up for this game or less anticipation but uh, that was a game that was uh, I think from our point of view it was the game that peaked from a Munster point of view the reverse fixture that would have been the Crow Park game when Leinster I think turned the tide and became the dominant force in in, um, in, in Ireland when uh, the day in Crow Park uh, when Johnny stood over me for people that to give us um, a clarity that that day was a day when Leinster um, achieved supremacy but as Kev said that's a long time for a lot of us that were playing we had been going from 2000 to 2009 and we'd been winning all those games bar uh, Leinster won a Celtic Cup final with 14 players when Eric Miller got sent off but other than that uh, I think Kev would agree that it was Munster were the dominant force but then Leinster um resurrected themselves and became the dominant force and it, I think it got to a stage where Leinster were European champions coming to um, Tom and Park to win the Magners League final to do a double and that's when roles were reversed it was up going we cannot let this happen are you for real these guys coming down to our patch to the European champions with all the history that was I think the last massive game between Munster and Leinster Mm, that's pro- that's probably fair. Interesting though, when Cheka came to Leinster in two thousand seven, two thousand eight, the year after that whooping, I think it was, um, he actually put more weight on the Leinster Munster games in Europe in his first season. He mm. he he basically saw the Munster Leinster rivalry as a way to turn Leinster's whole culture around. That was his. It was something to build around because it was yeah. something that we had been laughed at for years and it was something that we were embarrassed about. And, and is, is this something that you perceive looking back or was this made clear at the time? No, no I'm looking back now. Yeah. He, yeah. he built everything around that Munster-Lanster rivalry. It was, yeah. it was perfect for him. He came in, he could see, he was like, here's something that we can actually build success off. Yeah. We can turn this around. We can turn everything around. Like This is our cult. Like, it's never been a case of talent. It's been a case of culture. So if we can actually go to Musgrave Park or go to Tommen Park and beat the shite out of a Munster pack, then we know we've changed. And I remember there was a rainy, wet night. I think it was in Tommen Park where we went down. And again, everyone said, oh, Munster, we'll stick it up the jumper and kick the crap out of Leinster here. And it was in Czech's first or second year and we won down there. 
I think Cheka got us all in the huddle after the game and we sang a Dublin song or something like that and he was mm. like lads that's it we've made a change there and obviously like we're not going to stop now but that was definitely a defining moment like, it was something he could draw a line on but we'd never ever even have conceived to do it like we would have been on the bus on the way down to those games before going oh shit this is going to be so hard <laughs> this is going to be really this is going to be really Cap- really cappuccino oh, in hand this is yeah. going to be so uncomfortable with our FW in hand yeah. Yeah. was there ever a guy was there ever a guy trying to one lad trying to pick the spirits up and the rest is just like here shut, shut up no you're, you're, you're just looking at each other going oh Jesus here we go and like it, ju- it changed it did change after that where you're going down you're knowing it's going to be so hard but you're licking your lips like and like turning that mindset of turning what is going to be something that's incredibly uncomfortable and incredibly hard into a positive is that's like a cultural thing no doubt. well it is and then then you can build on it because if you're coming into that environment and you see that around you you're going to go shit we're take, we'll go down take our, take my beating like a man it's like for example <laughs> the parallel I draw is that everything I hear about going to play away from home in France you don't expect to win because mm. you're targeting your home games instead but if you change that culture suddenly the guy's coming in next they learn from that too. Yeah, and teams like the only, th- the only thing in France, Andy, is to change the culture of the referees as well. You can change your culture. <laughs> you got to change the culture of the referees yeah, as well. Yeah. It's difficult. The, the, the culture, the, the referees um, like the uh, the home food, do they? Well, it's just I think there was a, an interesting survey done a few years ago. I think in all of professional sport around the world, the biggest win ratios I think ascribed to the top fourteen home teams. Jeepers. And you're a man for a stat. I am. That'll give you a little uh, carrot mouth to go seek out. I think I've read that book. Was that in scorecasting? It could have been. There you go. That's You've got Andy very excited here. <laughs> Almost a bit the weird how excited on. he is, Roger. He's putting the jacket on. No, yeah, well, I'm gone. He had a, he had a great other uh, survey information during the week. Well done, Andy. That was really interesting. Actually, the ball time and play and... Oh yeah! How the game is getting faster and growing. I might get on to you about that. Um, okay, this just this is the thirty-second job. So the Times of London have had a few pieces this week on how they're seeing an injury spike in the first five rounds of the Premiership, and they have blamed this on an increase in tackle and rock, you know, collision events mm. in the game, and they have blamed that perceived increase over two thousand and sixteen, seventeen. Mm on the introduction of new laws and I had a look at this and my first instinct is to go okay let's see if they're right so I went back and got the data from the since 2013-14 there's no sudden spike in collision events this season it's a continual thing and the interesting thing as Raj says there you look at the ball and play time increase Mm. over that time it's a continual thing this is an ongoing trend so really the question should be so the ball and time sorry the ball ball and play play time time has increased yeah yeah. Yeah, the ball and play time has increased continually right in the this is premiership Um, the collision events have increased now the collision events are increasing at a faster rate Okay, so that's an interesting question. Mm. Then the interesting question is, okay, is there really an an injury spike this season that is different to what we've seen before? No, I haven't seen any proof of that. But if that is happening, then your question is, is this a tipping point? Mm. Have we reached a tipping point in the game where we have too many collisions or different collisions or whatever? So that's what I'm looking at. So I went beyond that, and I haven't published all of this yet, um, but the looked at Pro 14, it's slightly different. I've looked at Top 14, it's slightly different. Mm. For example, the ball and play time, it's A, it's lower. We always knew that. But the rate of increase is lower as well. So these are all interesting questions. Mm. It's like, 
take this and see what you can do with it but I would say I I won't go any further look I just think it's disappointing when you use stats for the wrong way yeah absolutely but it certainly is the feeling like we're chatting to one of our clients in the premiership in in England and they're just saying that the they measure collisions like yeah and they're just saying it's actually unsustainable the number of collisions we're going through it is the, the, like the players are sore and yeah. we're definitely picking up more contact injuries and yeah so it, it is, is. Uh, I would say for, for anyone interested in that uh, and you're, you've got a bit of a well maybe in some and uh, obviously and the, I think the massive unknown too is the damage the synthetic surface is going to cause players that's an interesting I mean, one uh, that's that, I, go on. I would contest this with anyone you go over to Glasgow okay, and you run in like um, unchallenged to score a try and dive on the pitch and tell me does that feel good you go to any grass pitch you run in and score a try and tell me the feeling is completely different yeah and the, it's like, even more than that it's the, um, in the car park. But the, pre- the pressure on the joints as well Jack Noel won't play in a synthetic pitch he really? refuses he won't play in a synthetic pitch because he says no honestly honestly yeah he won't. He won't play. I'm. I'm 99 percent certain of that. Last season, he refused it's, it's, point blank to play. It's a complete different game. It's, yeah. it's, it's like a different sport. We have a grass pitch right next to a synthetic pitch here in our training headquarters, and like you do a fitness session on grass, for example, and I can do this myself, and I'm pushing on. But you do a synthetic surface or a training session on on a synthetic surface, and the difference in the body the next day is, is unbelievable. Just tougher on the joints. It's a little yeah. tougher. Yeah. Before um, we go on, if anyone wants a masterclass in stats, it's what andymcgeady.com. It's <laughs> my turn for a plug, is it? <laughs> yeah. Need masterclass. To update, need to update that a bit more often. <laughs> um, right. We'll come back to that maybe another day, uh, and I think we'll end that one there. Um, Connacht and Ulster fans are going to be very annoyed with us right now, but we will come back. We will to we will. that game. Um, okay. Uh, right. And uh, next, we'll move on to an interview with Tyburn. She wrote is the perfect thing to watch during the day. You can watch the start, fall off for 40 minutes, come back, see the end, perfect. You know what I mean? You've missed nothing really. Remember, Rod Kev in the Kalina used to have to bring two TVs into the room, one for you for Cheltenham. <laughs> Like every red-blooded male in the country, he'd be watching the horse racing, whereas I'd have a TV for myself for things like Murder, She Wrote and Houses Under the Hammer. Murder, She Wrote is the perfect thing to watch during the day. Welcome back to the Hard Yards. Thanks for listening. We are delighted to be joined on the line now by Scarlet Second Row. Ty Byrne. Ty, hello. Hello, how are you doing? Not too bad. How are you doing is the question. Big news this week. You're on the move next season. Yeah, it's finally out, to be fair. Um, it's kind of been a lot of speculation the last couple of weeks. And uh, it's kind of a bit of a release just to have us uh, out there now, I guess. So has this been this has been worked on for a while, yeah? Um, well, like, there's been talks for a while, you know. Um, it's kind of tried to be as honest with Wayne here in terms of um, the signing of it and where my head was at and so on and so forth and uh, kind of signed it, a, signed it recently enough but um, I just, just did keep everyone in the loop and it's just nice to have it out I guess hmm. 
Um, let's skip back a bit. So I want to know how a guy who's in the Irish system, you know, you went to Clongos, you're in the Leinster system, Irish under 20, you played Ireland 7th as well. How do you end up at Scarlet's in 2016? How, how does that actually happen? Um, to be honest, uh, it's a little bit of luck, to be honest. Um, I didn't have an agent in my last year of uh, of being with Leinster because I was obviously signed six months and then I'd signed another six months at Christmas and I was kind of half expecting slash hoping that I'd be kept on there. And um, <clears throat> I met my agent outside one of the games after after the game I was standing waiting for one of the boys at the change room and he came up to me and spoke to me his name's Abe Kerr and uh, I didn't think anything of it and then he messaged me on Facebook a couple of weeks later and it was around the same time that Leo told me that I needed to start looking elsewhere so he flew over and met me in Dublin and he kind of managed to sort it out um, last minute after I got some footage together and um, yeah, I ended up coming here then in the summer after it was, quite, it was actually a bit of a difficult decision to be honest because you know after not being well, I wasn't getting selected for any games in Leinster I wasn't being kept on um, which is where I grew up and I kind of only saw myself playing there I couldn't really see the bigger picture um, so I was obviously doing a Masters as well so it was a decision to give up the Masters and have one last crack at it and Thankfully, I made the right decision in the end. And did you, uh, this is Kev, uh, did you have other options uh, in Wales, in England, uh, any other teams that you're kind of speaking to? Or did this uh, opportunity come up with Scarlets and your agent was like, this This is your chance, go and take it? How, how did that come about? So, well, I kind of said to my agent, because of the situation I was in, I was kind of like, well, I'm doing a Masters. Um, I if I go anywhere I have to give up the Masters so I said to him look with the situation I'm in I don't want to go and play championship mm. in England um, and I wasn't going to get any offers from a premiership side obviously not being English qualified and um, <clears throat> so they weren't going to take a chance on me because I obviously wasn't playing at all mm. so uh, he was looking around and then this came up last minute and to be, to be fair it was I don't think I was going to get a better club and better offer for um, in the situation I was in. How last minute was it? Uh, so I think I flew over to meet the to meet Wayne. Um, probably the week of the week of the semi final of the Pro Twelve, um, and then I didn't sign until. After after the after the final, so wow. it was pretty pretty tight. So from basically. there, so basically you've got one calendar year from when you're on a plane, you know, to Wales to actually stomping out at the Aviva and winning the championship that <laughs> year with Scarlets. Yeah, essentially, yeah. Yeah, that's I, I that's not a bad run. Not my wildest, not my wildest dreams that I think that was going to happen, but there we are. Something just going to work out don't they so what what did you think was actually going to happen like what were you going to use this for at the time was this just a matter of uh, going over I need to get some game time or are you actually looking at something different are you looking to to prove yourself or to change as a player 
Um, personally, it was more just about playing. Um, I love, I love the game, and I really love the lifestyle of it. And I, I, in my head, I'm like, I'm not ready to work nine to five and go out into the real world. And I was like, I love what I do too much. So I was like, I want to play. So I said, I come over here and give it one crack. And um, when I got when I got over here, it was more trying to break into the first team and maybe get a few benches um, because obviously not being known and coming in here and they don't know how what I'm like as a player or what my skill set are I'm kind of there in the dark as much um, as anyone else so I think I just wanted to come over here and have a crack at playing and just start enjoying rugby a bit more again because I was getting to a stage in Leinster where it was so frustrating never been involved and not getting the game time I wanted to get um, did you start to enjoy it a lot less um, so obviously that was the main thing main reason for coming over here It's really interesting because uh, I had a very very similar start to my career first few years in Leinster injuries not getting selected you know very very close yeah. not quite as tight as your timeline but very close to being out of the game altogether mm, you've told us that before yeah, yeah. You, as you were in interviewing I, and I wasn't quite May I think I was April I signed on but yeah. it, was, it was very very last minute um, I was doing interviews etc like but you know the, the big thing I found was confidence I was how do yeah. I get how do I actually get going here how do I get three or four games where the coach believes me and then you get your chance and there's a massive big gun pointing on you at you as you go onto the field uh, uh, because you have to prove yourself you have to play well Ty this is your chance you have to take it you know <laughs> rather than going out yeah, like you when you went to absolutely. Scarlet's that, that gun was taken away a little bit uh, I, yeah. I would imagine Ty yeah, well, like to be fair, I, I couldn't agree with you more because I remember my first cap at Leinster. It was I was on the bench. I think it was against Cardiff Blues, and um, I was obviously quite excited. And you're so nervous of being your first cap, and as you said, there's a gun pointed at your head, so you know you need to perform. And it got to the 60 minute mark, and I wasn't getting on. Then it got to the 70 minute mark, and I still wasn't on. So it's kind of becoming a little more deflated as well. I was like, oh your family comes over everything you're excited to play and you're not getting you'd feel like you're not going to get a proper chance to prove yourself and I think it came on around the 74th minute and the first thing I did was I made a blunder of a mistake and uh, <clears throat> I remember I think I had Jamie Hagen inside me who was obviously off his feet at this stage and um, I just kind of shot out of the line and they made a line break and I just kind of felt every since that game then the coach and staff never really trusted me as they should have because of that mistake and I think that probably hindered my chances a lot in Leinster as well so I think I learned from that as well coming over to Scarlet's when I got my first opportunity here I was a lot more switched on and just ready for the opportunity That is how tight the margins are though genuinely because like, the games the games I used to get were in Czech's first year and, and the year before were uh, the likes of Glasgow away with a far from fully loaded team Dragons away mm-hmm. with the Leinster under 15s like <laughs> genuinely low profile yeah. low yeah. profile yeah. nothing to gain from it because yeah. basically the coach is saying this isn't the big game next week's the big game we're resting yeah. big guns but everything you do is scrutinised beyond mm. <laughs> and you want to do so well so badly you over try and you force it in the way 
Tiger and myself would have played for Leinster A or for the club was different you weren't relaxed and like it, yeah. it's good learning but I think Tiger what you did getting out of Leinster finding somewhere new was brave I think I think that takes balls mm-hmm. to do it did you out of interest did you the people you were talking to at this time Tiger did you have people encouraging you to go or you know saying well find another Irish province for example mm-hmm. or was, was that in like, terms of you know in terms of just keeping playing you know I mean it, it, was it a matter of uh, the, the people around you the, you know the people you would talk oh, to about well, your like, career uh, the, the coach and like uh, staff in Leinster like Leo uh, Foggs and um, they were all encouraging me to keep playing and keep yeah. going and I think when that deal came up they were encouraging me to take it yeah um Mention the best way, I'm sure. Like, yeah, but regretting it then a few months later. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> when Tiger's getting six poaches against us in the semi, like, yeah. So. Um, uh, yeah, but that, I don't know. Yeah, they were encouraging me, and I think obviously, ideally, at the time, going to another Irish province w- would have been um, what I preferred because it is so daunting to leave the country and leave all your kind of your comfort um, but no one wanted me so <laughs> I didn't really have a choice today yeah that makes life a little easier when you take a decision now but look go when you look back do you reckon that was the best thing though Cause yeah like it actually same thing. forces you to grow up it forces you yeah. to actually do things you've never like totally takes you out of your comfort zone when you look back at it do oh. you think that helped absolutely yeah I think it sounds cliche but like you do grow as a person as well and when you leave your comfort don't you you kind of have to grow up even more and come out of your shell even more and I think moving do here I've done that <laughs> yeah do the own washing who, who did you uh, who did they place you with for um, who are you living with over there uh, Josh McLeod yeah he's one of the younger boys um, he's playing quite a bit at the minute obviously there's Kobe out as well and John got a head knock so he's been playing the last two games um, he's only 20 I think so Quite a, he'll be a good player in the future, I'd say. Yeah, your um, so your game last season, right? So you, you got a good run of time. Probably, I'd say you'd say yourself more more game time than you ever thought you would going over there. But you also oh, led the turnover yeah. charts. Um, that part of your game is that something you found yourself doing, or you've always concentrated that? Um, well, yeah, I've always kind of enjoyed doing it. I suppose um, I don't really know when I decided to start doing it to be honest it's just kind of it's always been part of my game um, so it's just kind of I, obviously the more you play the more poaches you're doing and I think I've gotten even better at it over the last couple of months hmm. um, just the timing of it and all that kind of stuff the thing about here compared to Leinster um, like there was, there was like in Leinster there was like a mentality of like chopping players and maybe bullying or counter-rucking a lot more whereas here it's just do what you prefer whichever you're more comfortable whether it's tackling high or tackling chopping at the knees poaching or bullying so I think obviously there's a bit more freedom in terms of that um, here which has given me a pretty good license to go after the ball It's gas though going in to play Scarlet's over the years just from what you're saying there the biggest pain in the ass to play against at rook time. Yeah, and I think I think Tiger just made that even worse. <laughs> <laughs> Tiger, so what is it? Uh, yeah. um, 
I was watching that Ulster game there recently. I think I think he must have had four or five turnovers that game up in Belfast. And it, it, looking at your other stats, there's probably only like five, six carries and maybe three or four tackles. So is this something that you're actually actively doing for the team? It's like you consider that as your job on there to get the turnovers. Um, not necessarily. I think some t- some games I might have over ten tackles. Other games I might only have five or six. It's just gonna whether someone runs a chair or not. You know that kind of way. Yeah. Um, I kind of obviously if someone tackled, if I'm not making the tackles, it's usually someone inside or outside me. So it gives me an opportunity to go on the ball then. So I'm going to be more inclined to get a few more turnovers that way. Mm. Um, but it wouldn't be something that I'm not going running around the place actively running after rocks. It's more if the opportunity is in front of me, I'll take it. Yeah, if you've got a player, we're saying, and no, no, you make that tackle. I'm going to wait mm, that yeah. can be a problem yeah. Um, but yeah I suppose that's what Munster will have to look forward to from next season and let's go back now so how how did this come about I know the uh, there was a piece I saw in fairness the Limerick leader back in July who were yeah, saying that Munster were working on this um, is is that how far back you've been thinking about coming home um, not, not really I think back in February was the first one that came out saying that they were looking for a second row and they hadn't approached me or anything and I think I was one of the names who popped up and I hadn't really even thought about it I, I think back then I was kind of just focusing on finishing out the year and continuing to play because I was still I still kind of am but I was fighting to keep hold of my place and I was going into each game knowing I had to play really well because there's so much talent um, in the second row here that's I was. That's all I was focused on. Um, it wasn't kind of towards till towards the end of the season that um, <clears throat> I started thinking about it, and there's obviously a lot of uh, continuously being questioned about my international ambitions, and I think that kind of triggered the thought of it for me, um, whether or not I'd be willing to go home to find out if I'd be good enough to play for my country, and. Um, I think everyone will understand that that's ultimately what every player wants to achieve in their career and uh, so yeah I kind of pondered over the summer about it and um, then when the when they approached um, at the end of the summer and uh, it was, it was quite a big decision to make then because obviously I spoke to Scarlett and they put a um, a serious offer in front of me that like I like completely outbid the monster and um, it was a big decision to make but ultimately obviously the international ambitions for me is what I'm what I want to chase as well so Hmm. um, for me uh, I think Joe gave me a phone call um, recently enough and he said he'd he had pushed for it because um, they'd been watching me and I'm on the radar so that's all I can ask for but Obviously, ultimately, I do have to go back across the water to to be given that opportunity, and um, hopefully, I can continue playing well. And when I go back to Munster, then I will get an opportunity and be yeah. selected for a camp, maybe. There T- you go. Tony, were, were were Leinster ever in the conversation, or is it something that you'd actually just prefer to kind of go off and do your do your own thing at Munster? Um, no, they weren't. Well, not that I know of. Anyway, they never kind of came up in conversation with me. And my agent, anyway, it was it was Munster from the start. So um, 
yeah, it was just kind of that was it, and I'm pretty happy about that as well. Like they're they're such a good club and um, a big history, so I'm kind of going from one good club to another, so I can't really complain. And did you uh, did you know that phone call from Joe was coming, or did you just did a, an un- unrecognized number just light up on your phone one night? Uh, yeah, no, I wasn't expecting it. He kind of came up with an Irish number and. He kind of answered the phone. I answered, and he was like, "Oh, Joe." And I think, <laughs> "Oh," I was like a bit kind of shell shocked at the same time. But he he had said he'd try calling me on my Irish number, but obviously I kind of haven't turned that on in a couple of months. Yeah, so. you're gone, <clears throat> Joe. Joe, that's that's kind of the point. I'm not there anymore. Can you bring me home? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, so. Okay, well, listen, I think, uh, yeah, good luck in the season ahead, Mr. Byrne. And uh, I think, as I said, Munster fans will be looking forward to see what you bring next season. <laughs> Tyg Byrne, thank Brilliant. you very much. Cheers, Tyg. Thanks a million for having me. The Hard Yards. Now, when the cups are decided, you have fine weather. But that's probably a two-month period. You have to do the Hard Yards. Hey, that's the name of the show. Excuse the pun. No, that's perfect. We're going to use that now. <laughs> I'm on a bonus for that, definitely. Yeah. Get Jordan, that in. The Hard Yards. The Hard Yards. On Sports Joe. You're listening to the Hard Yards Rugby Podcast on Sports Joe. Thanks for listening today. We're going to discuss some of the games and betting for the Pro 12 this weekend. For this, our producer, Alan McMahon, has joined us at the table. How are you? I'm not too bad. I'm, I'm uh, pretty good, actually. Yeah. Had better weeks. You're feeling down? I am. It's, it's all related to... Every time we get to the segment now, until I have a good week, I'm... Yeah. Not as cocky as I was a couple of weeks back, anyway. Well, look, last time I was here, you'd had a great week. You'd got, I think you'd got all six of them. Um, your lo- your lucky charm is back, Pat. Yeah, this like, I, oh yeah, completely. Well, <laughs> actually, no. <laughs> all right, no, um, in no way whatsoever. <laughs> uh, you had a bad week, Pat. There's no two ways about it. Um, okay, I'll give you the bad news. You got two right last week. Two out of seven isn't two that out good. Two out of seven, and Andy. Andy, you managed. Or wait, was it? You got six. 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 Yeah. Did you call Zebra? I called Zebra. Good God. Yeah. Didn't call them for the win. I just finished, called them inside the handicap. Yeah. The win. The win was a bonus. Um, we might come back to that one. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay. Andy always wants to talk about his triumphs. Um, <laughs> so yeah, we've got a. Obviously, we talked about Leinster versus Munster earlier on, but there is actually another Interpro on this weekend, and it's Ulster versus Connacht up in um, up in Kingsman. Yeah. So Ulster last weekend horrible result over in Zebra, mm. um, and Zebra were going for what you spoke about, going for the winning bonus point. Yeah. At one stage, <laughs> who would have thought that before that game? It's um it, it's very interesting because like being up in Ulster a couple of weeks ago to they'd won their first three Zebra were up next and then actually no they won their first four Zebra were up next then Connacht were up next does talk of going into Europe with like six wins in a row a lot of players were in form the lines were coming back everything was looking great like and it was like is this Ulster's year as we say every year and all of a sudden in the space of one game lost to Zebra um unlucky at the end was a TMO that went against them but then they gave away an intercept there try was, it was a fairly technical TMO call yeah. them, them all broke but uh, it was right uh, but uh, you can see how they would be frustrating for them on the field yeah yeah. and but and, and most people kind of say like who, who were kind of watching the full match that they Zebra deserved it as well they did, yeah. they had them under the pump at the very start of the game apparently as well so um, yeah I didn't see that coming and now all of a sudden you're like Jared Payne isn't supposed to be back Kutsi is 
being rested for yet another week uh, this knee issue keeps coming at him so uh, you know all of a sudden it's like things aren't as rosy as they kind of look mm. but I still I still expect them to um, to beat Connacht at the weekend Connacht are having their own issues as well and John Muldoon was up at the Champions Cup launch there on Monday and he was saying no they're, they're actually improving all the time but mm. that's not what the record shows and well, that's not what their well, form shows uh, well they did have a good performance with the Scarlets last week they pushed them very tight and mm. they're, I think they're unlucky I don't think they got the bonus point in the end but they're very unlucky to miss out on it it was a good performance. It was actually yeah that man Tyke Byrne got the the late try to deny him the losing bonus point. So um, yeah, and it, it was an open game. Like Scarlett would have loved it, and Connacht would have loved it as well. But um, apparently, it's been fifty seven years since they've won up in Belfast. So I've, yeah, I wrote that down somewhere. Yeah, yeah. It's, in all the, <laughs> it's in all the papers, all right. Yeah. So what is it? Um, yeah, it's just add a year to it every year. So it's um, the, it's but it looks of it's. Uh, I'll definitely go in Ulster for this one anyway to get back on track right well that's actually promising because I'm a Connacht man and uh, you've been pretty wrong the last oh, couple yeah. of weeks so I'm actually <laughs> delighted you're going for that. Um, so yeah the Ulster minus 12 on this 11 to 10 on yeah the, well, like it's, it's again it depends on the teams that they kind of select and, and who, who they're going to put up there it's, Ulster will go strong enough Connacht will be see who they play uh, Jake Heenan looks like he's um there was an initial talk that he might be out for like five or six months with his injury, but I think it's only going to be a couple. I think so, but he's another big loss to them. So yeah, I'll um, I'll go with that. Um, and this is the start of the comeback, Ulster. Okay, I'll take the comic side of that. Oh my god, <laughs> that's what I like to hear, Andy. That's what I like to hear. <laughs> just going to go against me for everything. Yeah. So we'll move on then down to um, Leinster Munster. Um, obviously, that's that was the talk of the show earlier on. But Leinster are minus five on that, and you get a. Uh, 21 to 10 21 for Munster yeah yeah. I this is a funny one I I think I'm going to take Munster, the Leinster sorry, yeah. side of this one I think 5 points is about right but I do I see problems with just that grunt on the Munster side um, I yeah I'm pretty happy with Leinster at minus 5 yeah I, I'm going to go Leinster as well on that one um, it's just kind of it, it might even be a last last minute try or trying the last five minutes or something that gets them over that five point mark but I think they they can mm. do it yeah well Leinster won the last four or five when they've met in Dublin the only the one exception was that game when um, do you remember the game when Munster had the four yellow cards yeah fo- uh, Foley against Matt O'Connor wasn't it that yeah game? yeah exactly Foley eviscerated the ref yeah <laughs> a few days after that one yeah <laughs> Alright, we'll run down quickly to the rest of the games then. So we've got Cardiff and Dragons. We've got Cardiff minus 10 at 11 to 10. I'm going Dragons on that one. Oh. Cardiff. Okay, that was quick. That was, <laughs> that was very quick. <laughs> and then we've got Edinburgh, Zebra, and uh, Edinburgh minus 25. Zebra. Or Zebra. You're on Zebra. Hold on, minus 25. Yeah, yeah that's what that's, that's what tempted me there. Jesus. Okay, uh, if it's minus 25, Zebra, absolutely. Okay. Well, Zebra have been very good this year. Let's be clear about that. They're ahead. Yeah. Of, they're ahead of Connacht on the table now at the minute. Yeah, they're 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 doing well. Like it's but it's it's actually great to see the Italian sides picking up some scalps there. Like um, you know, even if it, if it's at the expense of the Irish provinces, it actually is it's just much better, isn't it? Just to see it being no gimmies anymore. Yeah, good for the league is the thing we've said a couple of times this season, mm. and it's it's true. Yeah, you know, if 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 Zebra are going for a, a winning bonus point against Ulster in the big picture of Pro 14 rugby and European rugby and international rugby when you look at the, yeah, the benefits yeah. that Conor O'Shea might reap that's a great thing to happen yeah yeah, it's, it's great to see yeah so then we've got uh, Cheetahs versus Glasgow so we got Cheetahs minus 5 Cheetahs are at home by the way which uh, explains that that's it. Uh, yeah because I was I was thinking um, 
I'm I'm not going to go against the Cheetahs when they're at home now for the next while unless unless something goes wrong. So I'm going to go with the Cheetahs. I didn't know they were playing Glasgow next, but um, un- until this morning when I kind of caught up on all this, so I'm going to go Cheetahs and hopefully um, this new tactic of mine pays off. Yeah, I'm really tempted to try and jump off this train early now because I was on the Cheetahs at home as well, <laughs> and I've if Glasgow pick. If, if Glasgow have the guys running, they they could do well in that environment. So I will I will gamble and go with Glasgow on the side of this. Okay. <coughs> Sorry. Um, so then we've got Ospreys versus Scarlets. Um, Ospreys plus three. Yeah. So Scarlets are favoured away from home here. Yeah, I'm gonna I'll go with Scarlets on that one because Ospreys are in bits and apparently Reese Webb is off to Toulon as well. That was kind of Midil and Peak have been going mm. banging that drum for a long time now, <laughs> yeah. and it looks as if it's finally come to pass. Yeah, but it it seems to be you know isn't it bigger uh, as well that they that they lost as well. So um, you know it's He's just Northampton. They're all jumping ship and um, it doesn't seem to be a happy camp at the moment. So I'll, I'll happily go Scarlets on that one. Yeah, not sure Scott Boland's back for Ospreys yet either. No, yeah, I'm in the scar- I'm yeah, Scarlet's as well on that. I, I think they can do damage. And then the last game is Treviso at home to the Kings. Treviso, uh, that's minus seventeen actually. And Treviso have been good this season as well. Actually pushed Ulster very close up in Kingspan Park. Mm. And uh, yeah, they've been going well. I'm gonna go Kings on that one. I, I still, t- I think Treviso will win, but I, seventeen is a big. Big differential. Yeah. Aside from the Leinster Monster match, this is the one where I was really struggling with because the Kings are bad. Yeah. But Treviso seventeen points. I has it ever happened? Yeah. Before, that, like? That's the thing. That's the thing I can't quite get past. So I'm going to go with Treviso because I've been very loyal to the Italian team you have so been. far. This is paying off for you. Yeah. They have been good to me. Um. So I'll go Treviso. Yeah. Um, right, we'll see how the weekend unfolds. Up next, we've listener questions with Kev. The Hard Yards, passionate about sport. Uh, Kev's back in to answer your fan questions. We put out a call yesterday and these are the best ones we got in. Use the hashtag AskTHY on Twitter if you want to ask a question next week or send an email to andymcgeady at gmail.com if you'd prefer to ask a question that way. Um, right, so this is not related to anything we've been talking about this week. Uh, but... What is the strangest thing that a journalist has ever written about you or your team? Yeah, there was a certain journalist um, who used to write some pretty funny things, not just about me, but about a lot of the players. I think he's one of Pat's best mates. <laughs> we, um, have, we have shared a drink with him on a few, and, a few occasions. Uh, he, so I, obviously, I'm, in, I'm into my food or whatever, and I, like, I wrote a few, like, shitty review articles on restaurants or whatever did you and he he took it upon himself to um, he wrote an article one day I'd like given a press interview and the first little bit was about some of the comments I made about the game coming up at the weekend and then the rest of it was dedicated to the fact that I was training to be a professional chef in my spare time like genuinely I had no idea where it came from food chef connection maybe I'd said I cooked at home a couple of times <laughs> And they jump. Well, my missus will, will confirm that I'm most definitely not training or anything close to being a professional chef, but it was pretty funny. We're all training in some way to be professional. <laughs> Fake <chefs>. news, <laughs> <laughs> a little bit, yeah. yeah. So what you so you see that you know, it's in in a newspaper, yeah, and you're going like, so what do you what do you do when you see that? Laugh, it's yeah. enough. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's not like you, it's not it wasn't derogatory. It wasn't if it was derogatory or something that I felt. Um, could have had a major impact me on me or was in a newspaper that a lot of people I know read hmm. 
I might have said something, phoned him up or something, but no. Did it have an impact on your relationship with that journalist? Uh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, Jesus. Yeah, yeah. it wouldn't be... Nothing since. As in, oh, that was I'd it. be very, very, very careful what I'd say to him. Yeah. From then on, I wouldn't have... I, w- I refused to do any interviews with him from that point onwards. Yeah. Not that he was knocking down my doors anyway, but... <laughs> 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 yeah, it's a shame. <laughs> Chef and career never... There's a funny one. As I saw there... Um, I was on the way in today and I saw Cam Newton over in the NFL getting grief for not knowing a reporter's name. A oh, it's, worse reporter. than, it's worse than that. Yeah, well, I heard, yeah, he's done, he has done worse than that. But one of the things that he was kind of criticised for was like, and he didn't even know my name. Like, And then it's like some people are kind of agreeing that it's a terrible thing. And other people are like, just get over yourself. Like, But players don't have to have this relationship with, with journalists as well. Like, So mm. uh, it's a funny thing that they are, you're someone that you come across like a player all the time and you kind of think, you both probably think you know each other, but yeah. you know nothing about each other mm. at all, do you? We're running out of time. Use the hashtag AskTHY on Twitter if you want to ask a question next week or shoot me an email at andymcgeady at gmail.com and we'll pick it up. Also, we had a competition on Twitter this week for two tickets to the Leinster Munster Pro 14 game. Uh, the winner is Dahi O'Connell. The Guinness Pro 14 final takes place in Aviva Stadium on May 26th. Tickets available on Ticketmaster. So, thanks to Raj, Kev, Pat and Tyke Byrne, Alan Lucknan for producing and Paul Donningan was on sound. We'll be back next Thursday with a new podcast. Subscribe to it on iTunes, Podcast Republic, SoundCloud and every good podcast app to get it straight to your phone. This has been The Hard Yards. I'm Andy McGeady. Thank you for listening and we'll talk to you next week. The Hard Yards. Passionate about sport.